Well, so very good to see all of you. So great to see this place filling up more and more every week. And still grateful all of you joining us online, whether you're on Facebook or uh, on our website. Thanks for connecting with us today. We are continuing in our series called Catalyst. We're walking together through the story of the book of Acts, watching how God is a catalyst for life transformation, for power, for hope. And we believe and we know that God is still a, still a catalyst in our lives today, bringing life, bringing power as we open up to him. Today we're going to be talking about the church scattered. Now, I don't know about you, but I know for sure for me, these last couple of weeks uh, over the weekends, it has been so good to be getting out again and seeing people and seeing people interact. Uh, it's been so great to be able to see you guys coming again. And I'm just going to tell you, if, if you're at home online and you're just waiting for permission to come back, it's time to come back. It, it, we, we miss you and we love you. We want to see you. And for those of you who can't, we still are going to continue to connect with you online and, and try to make that accessible and find better ways to connect with you online as well. Uh, but we are made to do life together. We are better together than we are alone. And I, one of the things I'm super excited about coming back, uh, not just on TV, but in person, is sports. I, I know not everybody's a sports person, but uh, I grew up a sports person. I love sports. Uh, I love being in the crowd. I love the energy. I love cheering on my team as if I've got something to do with whether they win or lose. I love being a part of all that energy. But I tell you what I, I love even more than that, especially when I was growing up and had more opportunity to do it, is I love being in the game. I love working with the team. I love the practice. I love the teamwork. I love we have a common goal and we're working toward it. And we know without a shadow of a doubt whether we get there or not. And we're working for the win together. There's just nothing better than that. You know, I would much rather go play a game with my buddies than go see professionals play uh, in an arena somewhere. Uh, it's just this way I'm wired. I love to be part of it. And I share that to remind us that when we're following Jesus, we are made to be in the game. Following Jesus is not a spectator sport. It's not enough for us to just cheer on other people, super Christians, paid Christians, the elite, and somehow they have something that we don't, and we just cheer them on from the sideline. That is not what following Jesus is all about. The command and the invitation of Jesus is to get into the kingdom work, to be a part of what God is doing, that he's inviting us into what he wants to do in the world. When Jesus died on the cross— for our sins to set us free when he rose from the dead. It wasn't just so that we can cheer him on until one day we get to heaven. No, he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit so you can be a part of what I'm doing, that I can live in you. That's the audacity of the gospel. It's not just that we can be forgiven, but the God of the universe wants to be one with you and me. I mean, that's incredible, incredible news. And so God has brought this thing together called the church, this, the body of Christ together to be in the world, not of the world, but in the world, carrying out God's work, getting in the game. 
Now we need to understand this. God has always, from the very beginning, he's always had a plan and a purpose and a mission for his church. Jesus reminds the disciples, this final conversation he has with them, he reminds them, I want you to remember the mission of the church. And he tells them in Acts 1.8, this is what he says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses. There it is. You've seen something. You've heard something. You've experienced something. Now you need to share it. You need to tell it. You need to live it. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. If we were going to sum the purpose up of the church that God gives them, that you and I share today, it would be this. As the church, we gather so that we can scatter. And both of these are critical, that we need to gather. We need to be doing life together so that we can support each other, that we can encourage each other, that we can build one another up, that we can teach and guide and love and, and walk with each other. That's absolutely critical. But it's also critical that we are a church, we are engaged, that we scatter, we're engaging the world. That we don't just have a holy huddle, but we come together so that we can be on mission in the world Monday through Saturday. That we know that we've got a plan and a purpose that God has given us. And this is exactly what the early followers of Jesus did. What did they do? The disciples got together and they gathered in one place, waiting for God to move. Waiting for God's promise to be fulfilled. And what happens on Pentecost? The Holy Spirit fills the believers and then like we've talked about weeks back, they responded to the giving of the Holy Spirit. They got to work. And beginning with Peter and following with the other disciples, they begin to teach. They begin to preach. They begin to heal. They do miracles. And they see God growing and multiplying the church in miraculous ways. And all of this was being birthed and happening in a place called Jerusalem. But here's what happened. As we read through the story, the boldness of the church was met with persecution from the world. And the writer of Acts, Luke, he lifts up one particular story. One of the, the believers who was filled with grace and power, we read in chapters 6 and 7, a guy named Stephen begins to share the gospel. He begins to tell people, the one that you've been waiting for, that Israel's been waiting for to set us free, we thought he would be a political leader, but he is so much more. He's an eternal leader. His name was Jesus, and he came and he lived a perfect life, and he introduced us to the ways of God. He gave his life on the cross, and just as he said he was going to do, three days later, he rose from the dead, folks. This is for real. And then he filled us with the Holy Spirit. And God is on the move. God is at work. He's still healing. He's still doing miracles. God has been set loose on this world. And we got to see. And then everybody was kind of okay with him until Stephen said, and this God cannot be contained in a building. He can't be contained in a temple. He can't be contained in a religion. He can't be contained by people or programs. This God is, is moving. He's the creator God. He's the one and only God. And he, his heaven is his, his throne. 
and the earth is his footstool. And it begins to offend people because the religious leaders, they were used to having power and used to having control about how this thing went. And they begin to feel threatened. And that's the truth that we got to wrestle with is that the gospel can be really offensive to the world. Especially those of us who have power or comfort or both. And so the people get really upset with Stephen, so upset that they stone him and they kill him. And this guy named Saul that's going to be so very big in the rest of the story is, is overseeing and authorizing all of it. And a wave of persecution begins to take place financially, uh, physically, socially. They are even dragging Jesus followers out of their homes and arresting them. And, and things begin to get real bad. And it tells us that the people had to scatter to other places in the area. There's something very interesting that happens here, though. See, in the New Testament language, in the, in the Koine Greek, there's two words for scatter. There's one word for scatter that means just to scatter without any expectation of return. But there's another word for scatter, and it's the word used here. It's the word diasporentis. And it means to scatter with an expectation of return for growth. This is the kind of scattering that a farmer does when they scatter their seed in the field. They scatter it knowing, believing, trusting that scattering is going to bring a return. That they're going to see some fruit grow because they're scattering. And that's the word that's used here. And what we see happening is that while God doesn't cause the bad things to happen, we know that God uses all things to move us toward our good and his glory, to move us toward the mission that God has given us. And that's exactly what God uses here. That the persecution comes and God says, this is the perfect opportunity for me to use this to move my people where I want them to be. And this is what we see in Acts chapter 8. Let's take a look. Verses 1 through 4. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. And here we go. Here's our key verse for today. Those who had been scattered... Here it is, diasporentis. They were scattered with an expectation of return and growth. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And so here we are, the church is facing a big problem. This isn't what just, you know, people offended them or people didn't get along with them. People didn't like them. You know, it wasn't like people trying to cancel them. No, like Paul was literally trying to cancel them. He's trying to destroy them. And it, this is a big problem, but God was using it to push them toward the purpose. That they would scatter doing what? Sharing the gospel. And what's so ironic here is that what was meant to destroy the church actually led to the multiplication of the church. What was meant to stop the church grew the church faster than anybody could have possibly imagined. And move them right into the lane that God wanted them to be. That he gave them in Acts 1.8. That you will be my witnesses. Not just in Jerusalem. But in all Judea. And even Samaria. And even to the ends of the earth. And so God is sending them out. 
And here's the cool thing, is that they share the gospel where? Wherever they went. They didn't wait to get to a certain destination and then, oh, I'll share the gospel there. No, everywhere they went and along the way, they were sharing this great news about Jesus. He's come. He did for us what we couldn't do. He died on the cross. He set us free. He's alive. And they're sharing this good news everywhere they went. A fulfillment of Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20, the Great Commission, where Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them. Why? Because all authority is given to me. And I'm sending you out. And literally what Jesus said was, as you are going, make disciples. So when you get there and on the way, be telling people about this great news of who Jesus is. And this is what the disciples were doing everywhere they went. And it wasn't just for the elite. It wasn't just for the apostles. It wasn't just for people who had special knowledge. It wasn't just for people who were leaders necessarily in the church or got a paycheck or it wasn't just for people who had some kind of a special ability. No, all the Jesus followers were sharing the gospel wherever they went. And Luke, he's so good about giving examples. So he lifts up one example of a guy named Philip. And he says, this guy named Philip, he was one of these people who were scattered and he ends up in Samaria and he was sharing the gospel with everybody he could find. Uh, he said he was sharing the gospel with the crowds of these people who were curious about who Philip was and what he was doing and who was this guy named Jesus. And he was sharing the gospel with broken people, sick people, hurting people who were looking for healing and for redemption and a new start. Uh, he even shared a guy, the gospel with this crazy guy named Simon the sorcerer who does all these miraculous kind of things. And everybody thought he was it. And they thought he was, you know, something special. And he had all these connections and all this reach. And even Simon came to believe in Jesus. He even shared the gospel with Samaritans. And we've talked about this time and time again, this deep divide between Jews and Samaritans. And Philip was like, I don't care. I'm going to tell everybody about Jesus. He even ends up telling this, this uh, Ethiopian eunuch who served with the Ethiopian queen about Jesus. And, and they're out in the middle of nowhere. And right there, they get baptized. Now, Philip was sharing the gospel wherever he went with whoever he could find. He just couldn't hold to himself this great news about Jesus. And here's the great news, guys, is that you and I are called to the very same life, the same attitude, the same mission, the same purpose, that we gather together and we care for each other, we lift each other up, we equip each other, we teach each other, we do life with each other, so that we can scatter out into the world and share this good news about Jesus. So what does this look like for us? How do we engage people in the world with this great news about Jesus? Well, a couple of ways. Number one is that we share the gospel in all kinds of places. All kinds of places. You know, we too have our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, and uh, our ends of the earth. That we've got our Jerusalem where we need to start right where we are. Start in our home, start in our workplace, start in our neighborhood and the people that know us and love us and we do life with, we need to make Jesus a normal part of our conversation. 
And, and not just, you know, Jesus in a generic kind of way, but talk about the gospel, that we are sinners, that we are broken, that we can't fix this, that we need a God to save us. We need a God to redeem us. We need to be people who stop talking about issues and understand that we got sin in our life that we need to be set free from. And start right there in our Jerusalem. We've got our Judea. You know, where we, we've got people that we work with from time to time. Uh, we've got activities that we're a part of or our kids are a part of. You know, we've, we've got a, our routines, the people that we see week in and week out, that region uh, of that kind of world we live in. We need to be sharing the gospel, looking for opportunities to share that with those people. We've got our Samaria. We've got people who don't look like us. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that we need to start uh, metaphorically living on the front porch so that we can engage people and get to know people who don't look like us, don't think like us, who don't understand the things that we understand. And we've got the ends of the world. We've got the ends of the earth. We've got an entire globe to reach for Jesus that everybody would hear the good news of Jesus. And while not all of us will travel to Ghana or to Honduras or to Poland or to England or those other places where we're connected, we can all pray for those folks. We can all financially support those ministries. Uh, we can all support the people here who are called and help equip them that we can reach the ends of the earth with this good news about Jesus. We share the gospel in all kinds of places. We share the gospel with all kinds of people. That it's not just one group of people, but it's all kinds of people that we share the gospel with. And, and part of that is we've got different levels of connection. You know, we need to start with the people that are in our care. Who are the people that we care for that depend on us? You know, how many of you have, have kids still in the home? Raise your hand. Your greatest responsibility right now is to share the gospel. Get the kids that are in your care rooted in the good news about Jesus. That we are sinners in need of a Savior. And Jesus has come. He overcame the world. He overcame death. We have a hope. And this is a sure, certain hope. This is a historical hope that all they had to do was parade this dead body of Jesus all over the place and they could stop this and they couldn't do it because it was real. He rose from the dead. And we need to be able to tell those people in our care that Jesus is real and this is not a game. And some of us, we're, we're caring for aging parents. We need to encourage them and support them and remind them of the hope that we have of the gospel. That, that they they're, have their own struggles and that we, we can lift them up. And, and some of us have parents who don't trust in Jesus and we need to share the gospel with them. We got people at work that depend on us and in appropriate ways we pray for God to give us an opportunity to share the gospel with people that are in our care. We also have people in our influence. Who are the people that I've earned trust with? Who are the people that listen to me? Who are the people that watch me? Who are people that are looking to me? Am I looking for ways to share the gospel with them and how I live with integrity and how I speak the good news about Jesus? If we will ask God to give us a chance, he will give us a chance to share the gospel with the people we have influence with. And then we also, every one of us have people in our lane you know, the people that we cross paths with, the, the person that, that you checks you out at the grocery store, the person that you do a business deal with, 
the person that you cross paths with at school or that team or that, that group that you're a part of. And we need to be looking for opportunities. Sometimes the greatest opportunity is the opportunity that comes that you could have never dreamed was coming that day. I mean, what would it look like for us to wake up every morning saying, God, I can't wait to see what unexpected thing you're going to do in me today and through me today. Because somebody's going to come into my lane and I got a chance to share you the good news about Jesus. As we got different levels of connection, there's also different kinds of people. I love that, that Luke lifts up this example of Philip because it's kind of this example for us. I mean, who did Philip share the gospel with? Well, he started with the curious. He said that crowds came to, to Philip saying, I want to know who this Jesus is. They weren't all in yet, but they were curious. Uh, they wanted to know more. Philip shared with the broken. There were sick and there were hurting people. There were outcasts and they needed redemption and they needed healing. They needed a new start. And Philip said, well, I got some good news for you. I know a healer. I know a miracle worker. I, I know somebody who gives new starts. He, as a matter of fact, he specializes in new starts. Philip shared the gospel with a really powerful guy. And there are people of influence and authority and power in our lives. We've got bosses and we've got, you know, clients. And we've got people that we, we interact with from time to time who have lots of reach. And we never should be intimidated to share the gospel with the powerful. And then he shared the, people who, with the gospel with people who were unfamiliar. With Samaritans, with an Ethiopian. And I wonder about all the people that we didn't even hear about that Philip shared the gospel with, with people who never would have heard the name of Jesus without Philip. And we have those people in our lives too. So we share the gospel in all kinds of places with all kinds of people, and we share the gospel in all kinds of ways. All kinds of ways. Every one of us, we're wired differently. We have different talents. We have different gifts. We have different experiences. We've got different relationships. We've got different personalities. And God has wired you that way on purpose, with a purpose, that you can reach people that nobody else can reach the way that you can. And so we share the gospel in all kinds of ways. And, and just for our purposes today, let's just talk about it in two different ways. That we share the, church, uh, the gospel in the church and we share the gospel of the church. And what does that mean? We share the gospel as a part of being in the church. That there are ways within these walls, within our, our formal ministries, that we share the gospel with people. It starts by us that we would be willing to uh, invite people to come into the life of the church. That we, there's power invitation. There's power in saying, I want you to experience this good news. I want you to experience the, the, the awesome power that Jesus can give, this freedom that he can give, this forgiveness that he can give, this love that he can give. That so many of us, we're afraid to just give an invite, but I believe that the greatest evangelism today is still the invite to say, come and see what God wants to do in your life. It means that we're willing to serve, that, that we're willing to ask the question, God, why have you put me here on planet earth? And you're gonna hear me say this, not just for the next several months, but for years to come, because I believe it with all my heart. We all need to be asking ourselves three questions. What breaks my heart? What do I have to work with? What are the needs around me? 
If you will find the intersection of those three things, you will find why God has placed you on this planet Earth in this season, in this generation. And we, if we will step into that and have a willingness to serve in the church, then we will see God begin to do amazing things. That we'll be willing to invite, that we'll be willing to serve, and we are willing to care for one another. Jesse and I say all the time, I have no idea how people, people do life without the church. When life happens, when sickness comes, when the unexpected happens, when you're blindsided, how do people do life without others who will care for them and walk with them? We've got to be willing to step up in your life group and your connections and the people that we know and get to know that we were willing to, to do the hard work to care for each other. We're all Southerners and we're, so, we're like, we're kings and queens of the covered dish and we bring the meal and we drop it off, right? And like somebody's sick, well, I got to bring a meal. And that's awesome, but let's go more. Let's do more than that. Let's really care for people. Let's pray, not say, you know, I'm gonna pray for you. No, I'm gonna pray, let's pray right now. And I'm gonna show up at your house. I'm gonna pick up the groceries. I'm gonna take your kids. I'm gonna do, cut your grass or whatever needs to happen in that moment. I'm gonna care for you. That we join as being in the church, but we're also of the church. And that there's a lot that happens in ministry outside of these walls. We gather, why? So that we can scatter. And so we got to be willing, number one, is that we live a life of following Jesus. You know what earns you the opportunity to share Jesus with somebody? Is that they see that it actually means something to you. That you live differently. That you have a peace. You have a hope. You have a power at work in your life. And you're living it out. It means that we got to be willing to share. We cannot be timid anymore. we got to be bold, building relationships, looking for chances to speak the name of Jesus into the lives of the people around us. And then we care for them. Time and time and time again, what, what has broken down walls and, and so many of your stories, and I, I get so excited to hear them, and every once in a while, I get so privileged to be a part of it. What's breaking down walls of people who don't believe, don't want to believe, not sure how to believe, is not apologetics or some three-point sermon or any of that. What breaks down walls is that people are willing to love. That cancer patient that we're surrounding with food and support and prayers and presence those inmates that we show up and we say you have value and worth and we care about you. Those people who are battling addiction and we say, we're with you. You can overcome this. Jesus is at work. The one who's in you is greater than the one who's in the world if you would just receive him. The single mom, the single dad that we surround. When we really care for people, it breaks down walls. So what do we do, church? We got to gather. We got to care for each other. We got to build each other up. We got to share, learn how to share the gospel. We got to equip each other. And we gather so that we can scatter. We go out as missionaries. If you have Jesus in your life, you are a missionary at your workplace, in your neighborhood, on the ball field, in the dance studio, wherever you are, in the grocery store, whatever you find yourself, as you are going, you're a missionary for Jesus. And we've got to be willing and excited about living out that life that we gather so we can scatter. Jesus is calling you. Listen to me. 
if you have invited Jesus into your life and you've received the Holy Spirit, you know that you can still squelch the Holy Spirit. Or you can say yes to the Holy Spirit and say, let loose in my life, I'm yours. There's nothing more exciting that you can ever do than to take all the barriers off the Holy Spirit's work in your life. And just say, I want to ride this wild roller coaster with you, Jesus. I want the Holy Spirit to work in me. Let's go. There's nothing more exciting than that. And if you're here or you're watching online and you're not sure about Jesus, there is absolutely nothing more exciting, life-giving, hope-filling than to say yes to Jesus. Not to know about him, not to be a member of a church, not to go to a Bible study or a mission trip, but say yes to Jesus. Scripture tells us that if we will confess with our mouth and trust with our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. There's a surrender that has to happen to say, you are Lord, not me. I'm not in control. I'm surrendering to you. Whatever the question is, the answer is yes. Wherever you say go, I will go. Jesus, you are Lord. I'm a sinner, I need to be saved. Nothing more life-giving, nothing more exciting than that. So wherever you are, whatever you're dealing with, would you say yes to Jesus today? And church, can we, can we begin to gather again? Can we begin to go all in? Can we care for each other, equip for each other, get together, do life together, but not to stop there, not to be a holy huddle, but can we gather so that we can scatter? If we get out of 2020, 2021, this season of COVID, and all we do is come back together, we've totally missed it. This is our opportunity to reframe. We gather so that we can scatter. If you'll stand, I wanna pray for all of us. That we can say yes to Jesus. As we do each week, these altar areas are open. If you need to pray over a sickness, a relationship, an opportunity, a decision to be made, and most certainly, if you need to pray for Jesus to get a hold of your life, if you need to say yes to Jesus for the first time, we want to invite you to come down. Whatever's going on in your life, we, we want you to pray. God answers prayers. Trust me, he, he, we need to go to the God. And he says, you have not because you ask not. And so I want to invite you to come and pray. If you'd like for me or Pastor Hunter to pray with you, just wave us over. And by any means, my goodness, if you need to pray, grab that person next to you and say, come pray over me. And let's see what God's going to do. But at all costs, let's say yes to Jesus. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we love you because you first loved us. We're in desperate need of you, God. Every moment of every day, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the empty tomb. Thank you for Pentecost, for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the mission. Thank you for the church. Thank you that the church is not a building, it's not an institution, it's not a program, but it is a people. It is the body of Christ. And we do life together so that we can live on mission together. God, help us to embrace that. Whatever the cost, we want to say yes to Jesus. So come and speak to us, move in us, Lord. 
Make missionaries of us in doctor's offices and banks and in office buildings and schools and parks and fields and studios and homes and neighborhoods and grocery stores. Make us missionaries for Jesus, Lord. Rewire our thinking about what it means to follow Jesus. That we would be your witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, in all the world. We pray this in Jesus' name and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.